Hey, my name is Julie Leone and this podcast is called What's Your Thing? This is where I have conversations with people about their passions, ideas, pastimes, missions or lifestyle that I find inspiring. I hope you do too. Julie again and the snow has just started um, and today I'm talking to Jock Tildesley who's just made me practice saying his name properly. Um, so I, I know Jock, so my first meeting with Jock was when he came to my very decrepit garage to pick up a cooker. Um, my mum had just died and he needed a cooker so that was the first time I think we met and then it turned out that our children were both at the same childminder so we met again then. And then I got dragged along to a few of his gigs um, and came out with kind of face ache and tummy ache because uh, not only were they so skillful musically, but they were also funny. So hopefully he'll talk a bit about that. Um, so Jock is here to talk about his music and I'm going to leave him to talk about precisely what his thing is on the musical front. So welcome Jock. Hello. Did I get it right? Did I say it right? Oh, perfect. So, so well, yeah. Oh, we ought to just say as well that because we both live in the wilds of Wales and it's snowing today, <laughs> it may be that um, our internet connection goes, we're both on Zoom, in which case it may be a podcast of um, uh, of episodes. So um, just a heads up. So Jock, tell us about your music. The music, well, I've played music uh, since I was seven, I suppose. Um, I started playing the violin when I was seven. I was raised in Scotland and uh, I gave it up when I moved to England when I was about 13 and then played guitar and bass and picked up the fiddle again when I was maybe 19, 20 and got into uh, a lot of American traditional music, uh, southern, southern music, Cajun music from southwest Louisiana which is, which is kind of French music based in some ways uh, with, a, with a heavy Creole influence. And then also uh, what's called old time Southern Appalachian music, which is the kind of the music of the Scotch Irish settlers along the, the Appalachian mountains in South Car in North Carolina, Virginia, West Virginia, Georgia, all, all down that Eastern seaboard really with a, again with a, a big influence of, of an African feel really and groove. So that, that that that's been my thing for many many years. So can you tell like so I'm imagining you said Scotland age seven. So how on earth did you get from what got you into music to start off with when you were seven? Were you in a musical family? What you know? How did that start? Uh, my grandfather, one grandfather, played the organ in church and taught piano. That was on my dad's side. He was English. And then I, I found out after my, both my grandparents on my mother's side, who were from the Isle of Skye, uh, I didn't know they were musical particularly. They like, you know, they like music, but they were free. They belong to the Free Church of Scotland, uh, which, is, which has no musical instruments in the church. And the services uh, they attended were mostly in Gaelic which was their first language and my mum's first language. And I found out after he died that my grandfather was what's called the presenter. He stands at the front and lines out a song. He'll sing a line of it and then the congregation will sing a line back and it's a very 
quite a primitive form of, of church singing. And I also heard that that, that um, influence went to the Caribbean and the southern states. A lot of the, the slave masters, not necessarily the owners, were, were from that part of Scotland. And somebody told me they'd seen some program where that they think that that merged with a lot of African, you know, obviously a lot of the slaves, most of the slaves came from Africa and, and that kind of thing merged with the West Highland thing and those influence and probably other things and became a, a kind of gospel style. Because so I think of that sort of call and response as. Yeah, African. it's yeah. But it's there in the West and it's still going on. It's it's still, uh, you know, a strict thing. My m one of my mother's cousins is a is a Gaelic preacher who travels all over the West Highlands and Islands for weeks at a time, away for weeks at a time, preaching in different things. But you know, and he loves music. He was, you know, he he's got that kind of uh, clash between. Uh, being very uh, strictly adherent to the the principles of that church, he, you know, you can't. The, there's no. We, when we stayed up there, we would not have hot food on a Sunday, or or listen to the radio or the TV. Wouldn't be on those kind of things, and he's very strict with that. But he loves to go out dancing to Scottish dance music, and and uh, but also. You know, he he loves what what we what we used to do and stuff. You know, he's a he's a great, very interesting and funny person. Really, very very funny. She's kind of got the, but and it's it's interesting that it's the male line that you've got this male line of of men who are happy to use their voice, but there's a bit of tension between the puritanical and the kind of almost the the wild. You know, the more back in alien dancing singing. Um, do you remember who gave you the violin? How did it, why the violin? Oh, that was at school um, near Edinburgh where we lived. Uh, it was just the music teacher. They they said do you want you know you the, you can play an instrument if you want, and you know you can play violin if you want. So I think I just said yeah, I'll try that. I'll have a go at that. And we had a lovely teacher to start that that really that really uh, made it fun. I think you didn't take off because it was the recorder. I just think, I just think that's um, not a great instrument to give kids. Really, I think the way they do it now is with the ukulele. That's a very popular instrument in schools, and and I think that works better for kids. You know, you can sing with it, and you you know, it it you can have different I mean you can do that with the, the recorder you can't sing with it but you can have different parts going on but I think the ukulele is a is a more accessible and instantly um, you get you get a result you know yeah quicker because you play how many string instruments just list them all well, well I play fiddle mostly I, I've been playing the banjo for about 
25 well 20 years uh, in a certain style I play can play very basic guitar just accompanies fiddle tunes and chords basically I like doing that I do the same with the double bass but that's just you know very very simple uh, I think that's it <laughs> just 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 that's it and so when did it so you were talking uh, it made me smile when you said you were doing the music in scotland and then you stopped when you got to england was there some sort of like wall that you had to pass no, through it was stripped you of your musicality well it was kind it was uh i hadn't been enjoying it for a while because i found myself not um naturally being a person who would read music and follow the written music I, I would learn it by ear and I, I guess learn it quite quickly by ear and that that kind of that there was another I was on another violin teacher by then and this was all classical music and the the teacher kind of she would turn the page as you're reading the things anyway she said you're, you're doing it by ear and I said I'm, I'm, I'm reading it I'm reading it you know and she said no because you're halfway down the next page and I haven't turned the page and so I I wasn't enjoying it then and I wanted to um, I wanted to give it up so that move was a chance to give it up although before we moved I had seen a, a fiddle group a, a traditional Scottish fiddle group at the school my dad took me to a thing one night and they were all mostly old guys in suits sitting in, in rows you know there's about eight of them I think all playing fiddle tune and there was, there was one kid in the front row who was about 15 long hair and a scruffy suit and an old lady playing the piano and it was great I really enjoyed it and I asked the fiddle the violin teacher about that can I do some of that and she said no it's not it's not proper violin music and so that was the end of our relationship really <laughs> and so how did you re-find it and how did you yeah and then link that into how you got into Cajun and bluegrass, or Kate, no, not bluegrass, Cajun, given that you were from Scotland. <laughs> well, I played, I, I, I wanted to play guitar, so I got a guitar, learnt that myself, taught myself stuff, and, and played with friends, and, and then got an electric bass and, and wanted to play that, so I started, you know, the first band I was in, I was the bass player. And that was a kind of little poppy band with a. It was with a with a close friend who learnt who learnt Spanish guitar, very well, very quickly, and then and then wanted to put it in a kind of pop thing. And this was the, the mid eighties, early eighties. And. Um, but did you have the hair and the ruffles? Did you have the look? I guess we did a bit. Can't remember what my hair was doing. Various things. Uh, but we had we had a trumpet player and two singers, uh, a guy and a girl, and a drummer, and I played bass, and it was a nice little band, you know, just a nice little. And it was interesting because we had the trumpet and, and the Spanish guitar rather than an electric guitar. He would do these funky rhythms on the on the Spanish guitar. So that was that was that for a bit, and then we, me and the guitar player both got into Cajun music I had I don't know where I first heard it I'd always listened to stuff like that my my parents had albums of Scottish music and then there were things on the TV in the very early 80s there's a Scottish fiddler called Ali Bain who's still playing and is very well known and has done lots and lots of TV stuff and he went on this um, 
this there were two two programs it must have been about 1980-81 where he went around the, the states you know playing with different fiddlers different and and that was great I thought that was great you know and I was that was before I was you know I was playing guitar a bit but it, that kind of kept in the back of my head and then I guess various things kind of came together in the in the late 80s the the Andy Kershaw show oh I remember that on yeah, radio Andy was that radio one or well, radio two it was on all of them it was on all of them because it, it's a it, it's kind of a sad thing really that, that the way it's happened because that he was on radio one and he had a two or three hour show a week because John Peel had three days a week and the same slot kind of 10 to 1 I think something like that someone will correct me on that but um, they, they gave one of those nights to Andy Kershaw who played similarly eclectic music but mostly from you know a lot of traditional music or, or dance music or current what you might call folk music from all over the world and I heard some Cajun music on that and also saw some on the TV and and it just, you know, just made my hair stand on it. Like, oh yeah, that's, you know, I'll go. I went back to my parents and grabbed the fiddle out of the loft and picked it up again and taught myself that just from records. Just putting the, the needle back again and again in my room in this shared house we lived in. And I, I was a, I was a greengrocer. We, we had a, I worked in a workers' co-op, a small workers' co-op that was a greengrocer. And everyone in that shop was in a band and there was a great alternative music scene in Southampton as well as a really long-running blues scene you know in pubs some really good players and, and they would bring American traveling you know touring American blues men on a Sunday night in a in a pub so it was right you know it wasn't a concert hall it was and, and it was wild you know there was just loads of wild gigs going on then all kinds of music which i actually feel a bit nostalgic about when you're talking about <laughs> yeah, that yeah 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 you know because we're doing this in nice. the middle of covid aren't we where no one's been to a live gig forever and then obviously i mm. you know you and i have got well well i've got kids so i haven't been to festivals but i mean i know you have that might be something to talk about but that nostalgia of being in a pub that's seething with the band on the stage just feels like a very long time ago <laughs> It does, but I mean that time was really special. I mean, we thought we, me and the guitar player, he learned to play the accordion. We got this little little Cajun accordion, and you know, just we formed a band with with just with other people we knew who turned their hands to that music because we were kind of fanatical about it. And we played in the in the pub that had all the blues guys in. I mean, one guy, this guy Bob Pierce, had been playing in that pub every Sunday night. That pub, another pub before it, but. For 40 years, he'd done it. Or, you know, it'll be 40 years now. But then, it, you know, he'd been doing it since the late 60s anyway. And he was great. You know, he'd re he, he sang great. He played great. Nothing fancy, but just really, really good. And did and some so, of these people kind of mentor you? You know, when you met them, did they give you top tips? There was a guy called Dave Williams who... Who, who could play who could play music pretty well really but he worked for um was it icl or some some computer so he, he worked for some computer company and you know he used to travel a bit he, for that work 
but he was a real and he he was older you know he was in his 60s and I got talking to him at some gig uh, and he had some accord some of these button accordions these Cajun accordions and we were interested in those and he said oh you should come round sometime so I went round his house and he had loads and loads of records and he's going well we've got this kind of stuff and this kind of stuff you know and, he, and I said I want to hear some of that and I want to hear some of that and I want to and then the things I liked he made me some tapes from all these things he made me two or three tapes and I've still got them but I just absolutely shredded them play them you know because it was a, there were so many things there was a lot of Quebecois music and um you know Cajun music old-time music all sorts of things you know a lot of older songs I mean and there was so much that I, I I don't know what happened to his record collection when he died really but because it would have been a thing for you know to pass on as a as a complete thing you know to some kind of library or something but that that was a you know a particular standout thing but lots of people you know a, a, another mostly blues player uh in Southampton Arnie Cottrell he he, he had been into Cajun music for a long time and you know, and we f I remember we used to play at this pub, the the blues pub that was a bit called the Onslow, where the blues guys had been playing, and and all our mates who were into you know who were all you know just wild kind of alternative types and not into folk music, they would all come to these gigs and they're all going, what is this music? You know, and it's just you know, but they'd just go nuts with it because it was great dance music. And I remember the landlord, who loved it as well and had all these 45s on his jukebox that we had brought back from Louisiana on our first visit. He put all these things in the jukebox and he, he just absolutely loved it. He went down to the cellar one night and he was he was really worried the floor was going to go through because of the dancing. Yeah. So you, you're talking about your first trip to Louisiana. So I kind of I've got as far as you in a pub in Southampton and working in a greengrocer. So then I'm so that seems quite a big leap to to Louisiana. So how did you do that? Well, we just saved up. Two of us went from the band. We saved up some money and just just thought, right, we're just going to go there. We didn't really have a plan. We just had two weeks off. We flew to Houston and hired a car and drove into Louisiana. And the first place we stopped was we we found this guy in a town called Lake Charles, which is a big oil town, drilling town, because it's on Louisiana's on the Gulf of Mexico, the top part of the Gulf of Mexico, and right next to Texas. And uh, we went to find this guy who had built our accordion player's accordion. And we knew his name, that's all we knew. And we went into this gas station. And we didn't realize that Lake Charles, is, it's actually quite a big town, it's a city, you know. And, and said, do we? Do you know any of this accordion player called? Uh, and the, the woman said, Oh no, but I can. I'll, I'll find out where he lives from the yellow pages. So she phoned, and she phoned him up. You know, so it was like going into the any petrol station here, and somebody saying, No, I'll find that number for you. I'll phone him up. You know, just isn't going to happen here, is it? You know. So they did that, and we went round this guy. He said, Oh yeah, come round, come round. We're just we're just cooking some lunch. You can come for lunch. And he showed us how he gave us lunch and he showed us how he made these accordions and everything. And then he said, oh, I'm going to a jam session tonight. You should come. You know, it's in this little town. And we knew the name of the town from 
from knowing about that that area of southwest Louisiana I knew it was a very musical you know a lot of musicians had come from there so he's just popping out to the jam session 60 miles away so this is on day one you've literally only just landed I think we'd had a couple of days I think we sort of stayed in a went to a national park first or something so yeah the next day and we went to this jam session in this bar and we walked in and there's this music playing and it's just like I don't know that like it, it makes the hair stand up on my neck now really as I'm talking about it because it was just incredible walking in there and I yeah, I knew a lot of the musicians from records you know and kind of and they were very welcoming because that guy Charlie had got there first and said oh these English people are coming or these British people are coming and so they would say, oh, yeah, we heard you were coming here. Yeah, so why are you coming here? Why are you coming here? And we said, well, the music. I mean, we love the music. And we, uh, we, we've we learned to play it a bit. And they're going, no way. <laughs> because that music there was kind of put put down because it was French. It's all, it's all sung in French. And that French culture was uh, kind of crushed by the authorities, really. And then brought back, you know, in the 80s, they brought a load of, French teachers from Paris to teach French which wasn't a good idea really because it was a different it was an older French way of teaching but yeah we had two weeks there of just going around and people staying oh yeah you stay in our house you stay in our house amazing and did you play did you play yeah, with some yeah. of these guys lots yeah yeah and how yeah. was that it it was great it was it was great I actually got a paid gig when we were there, this guy said, oh, we've got a little gig. It's just in a car park for a supermarket to uh, advertise some product. But uh, our, our fiddle player can't do it. Can you do it? And I went, uh, yeah, yeah. So we went and did it, you know, set up a PA in the car park. And I got $100 for it. <laughs> <laughs> and how did that change your sense of self? Because I'm imagining that must have been like that would be like me hanging out with Liz Gilbert and, you know, all my favorite writers and then them saying, hey, do you want to write a chapter with this? And I'd be like, oh. so I don't know. How was it for your sense of self? Massive. It's it just huge. It was exactly like you said. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of uh, so humbling, you know, and, and people were nothing but nice to us. I mean, really, really welcoming. And, and it it didn't feel like it didn't feel like the America that you you'd you'd learnt about from TV and stuff like that. It was just really friendly. It it just didn't feel like America, a lot of it. Um, but as far as sense of self, it I don't know. It, I I guess it gave me a lot of confidence um, to play that and and think that I could I could actually do that thing fairly well because I spent I, I wanted it so much I wanted to play it so and, I, and, and it's, it's almost the thing you can't explain I mean why do you want to be a writer can you can you really explain that could no you not, could you not be a writer no you, I've no, always exactly. I've always written so right. it's like it's just right. something that happens it's, yeah. but I suppose there's a difference for me about the first time that like the way you're talking about music you've always to some extent done it publicly and and I suppose writing for me you know that's happened the public bit has been more recent but I'm kind of thinking that if I'd had a night hanging out with Joanne Harris and Isabella Allende and Liz Gilbert that I yeah, might yeah. come back feeling like 
if they like your experience where that you're accepted as part of that crowd would just be like a, a stratospheric change in my sense of I don't know belonging in that world because you weren't from that world were you it must have been I, I don't know I imagine it was quite life-changing yeah it was yeah you you imagined correctly it was it was totally life-changing really and um you know i came back with this you know I, just understanding it more I, so in so many in so many ways really about you know the people and the culture and just and we just made good friends friends that we still have now you know kind of made lifelong friends you know when you when you travel a lot you know we as we ended up doing traveling a lot with that with that band and another band playing cajun music you know and trying you know our own bands over here and then you know through eventually through meeting other musicians we we would get hired to do like a, a band would come over and they'd hire us to play in the band you know so we would get to tour with them and you know i've been some incredible places you know touring with with american musicians just because just because of something you know happened to get into that i felt you know, it, it, it it's it's like you say, you don't you don't feel you have a choice. You can't you can't decide not to do it. So what I'm hearing it's, that, it's like eating, you know. It's like yeah. Uh, it's yeah, yeah, it is. And and there's another part that I'm hearing underneath what you're saying that I mean I might have got it wrong, but it sounds like like you've said a few times that the hair stood back up on yeah, the back of your neck. And so you've had right. a really strong pull towards something that you've dared to follow. So even mm. just getting on that plane, you didn't know what you were doing or, you know, nobody else you knew was playing that music, but you kind of dared to follow the inner thing. And I, I think for so many people, they might have that that shiver or whatever it is, but it gets squashed because it's not sensible and how you're going to make money out of it and you'll never be anyone and you're just from the small town. So I'm kind of, how did you maintain that? The, the what, what was it that meant that you followed the shiver I guess it was just the strength of the shiver or something <laughs> uh, it, it didn't I, I didn't really feel I had a choice not to do it um, I mean uh, I never think of things about how to make money you know I'm, I'm not that kind of person I don't think I'll ever be a good business person or or put that first because you know, if you wanted to make money from playing music, you wouldn't you you wouldn't pick some kind of music like that. You know, at all really. Uh, you know, they might go through phases. You know, there was a big wave of it, and for a while we did. I did nothing else but play play Cajun music. You know, and that kept gave me a living for a few years. Um, but yeah, I suppose I suppose how just how how strong it was, and it it's. It, be, it becomes an obsession or it's an obsession straight away or something and and that I suppose I'm that kind of person I will get obsessed with something and, and, and think about nothing else to possibly to the detriment of other things or no, it's interesting no, no. because Liz Gilbert, so those of it, so I'm sorry, she's one of my heroines, Elizabeth Gilbert, who wrote Eat, Pray, Love, but she also writes about creativity. And in her book, Good, Big Magic, she talks about how 
it's really important that you don't make your creativity uh, don't uh, expect your creativity to pay the bills because that's mm. just too too big an expectation and for me yeah. that was a real it was a it really freeing yeah it was so freeing to hear that because i was like oh okay i thought you were meant to make money out of it and shit and her take is no get a job that's what you pay the bills with. And then you, you do that to support the creativity like you would do your child. And I was like, oh, okay, that's freeing. Yeah, <laughs> yes. yeah. I, I just missed a bit about getting the job. <laughs> no, that's, that, that's, <laughs> that's always been the way and still is, you know, so it's, you know. So you followed it's a bit, it's a bit this. Like that. You I, I, the I always follow the, yeah absolutely yeah yeah that's what and that's what i've always done really and and when you came back from louisiana and you'd had this massive experience what difference did it make to you when you got back uh i i wanted to i wanted to change the music a bit to make it you know i had i just make it stronger and more like like i'd heard it over there really um so I became a kind of obsessive band leader about, it. I mean, you'll find with most bands or anything like that, groups of people that are uh, in any kind of art that, you know, whether it's a theater group or a dance group or anything, that there is inevitably, you most of the time there's a kind of leader figure or creative center of that group. So I became that just for, because I wanted it a certain way. And that was my thing. And if it wasn't a certain way, I wasn't happy with it. And I don't think I turned into somebody completely horrible or anything about it, but it was very, it became very much my band really. And, uh, and it's still going, the band. And is this the band that I said that, is this, because I've seen you in the new rope string band, no, that I suspect that's something else, isn't it? Completely different, yeah, yeah yeah so, so just mm. on the cajun stuff did you so how did you get from southampton so you went southampton louisiana louisiana southampton but then you traveled a lot with it didn't you, you toured with it how yeah, did that well, happen well i carried on working at the vegetable shop uh but but the music kind of took over and it was on a, it was on a roll then anyway we you know we got started to hit the folk scene with it cajun music became very popular through people like andy kershaw and various TV programs about it and stuff. It was a it was a hip thing worldwide, really, you know. So we, we just started touring more and more and eventually I stopped working, stopped the, the regular job at the shop and we, we did that a lot. And then, you know, and I was playing other, I was playing some old time music as well. Um, what is, I don't know what that is. Well, that's the, 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 the fiddle and banjo music from um, the more the East Coast kind of thing the mountains mountain music it's like a predecessor of bluegrass music so we kept you know we carried on doing that all so how did you get the gigs you know how did you get people do people come to you or do you have to go to them both both you know i was the band manager i i, I did pretty much everything really um so we you know we did we just had a, a lot of gigs you know you'd you phone a few places but they, they'd phone you and we get booked for festivals and we'd go to you know we went to a lot of places we went to denmark we went to france we went to belgium we went to holland went to ireland we used to play in northern ireland an awful lot people were mad for it there um 
Shetland, all sorts of places really. And then with it, you know, playing with American musicians, again, up to Shetland, Ireland, all over Europe, um, a little bit in the States, a little bit in Louisiana, uh, Mexico, you know, just what were the, you know, when you look back on those times, what were the highlights? What were the best, you know, what are the golden moments? Uh, going to Mexico was pretty cool. I got a phone call from a friend who was in a band over there and said, uh, I was just coming back to the pub and I got this message when I got back on a Tuesday night saying, oh, we're in Mexico City. It was him and his wife who, so he played, he plays everything and she plays guitar and sings and, uh, we're, we're doing this concert and um, it's a kind of cultural exchange thing and our fiddle player we realize it's a bigger gig than we thought and our fiddle player is ill and our backup fiddle player can't come as well so I just thought I'd ring you because you'd be nuts enough to fly you know anyway uh, it's on Friday <laughs> it's on Friday so if you can get to Mexico City for Friday uh, then uh, then that'll be great and you can have all the money we don't we don't know how much we're getting paid but you can have all the money obviously pay your flight and also it's mardi gras in louisiana next week so you may as well fly back to louisiana with us and stay for a couple of weeks because it's mardi gras and that's a great time you know everything so i did that and that was super intense the whole thing it, what like when i'm listening like following the shiver is very you you've kind of been in the moment taken opportunities and kind of gone with where the energy is it's not like you had a strategic 10-year plan with goals and <laughs> no. it's kind of evolved hasn't it and grown and yeah yeah i mean it's been, and it works like that those opportunities work like that because you're able to take them you can just go you know if somebody says oh can you be in mexico city on friday and then be away from home for two weeks to have fun yeah yeah i can do that actually somehow i can do that yeah and i don't know how you feel about talking about the fact that you've kind of carried on to some my perception is that you've carried managed to carry that on even with a, a family uh yeah no that yeah we have um my partner my wife must get used to calling her that is also a musician we met through music and um, she also plays Cajun music and old-time music and, and she's from Holland and she she grew up playing guitar from age nine and fell into the bluegrass scene in Holland and she's a she's a extremely competent musician much better than me and uh, and plays a load of instruments well and and is a is a great songwriter and so it's that thing about because lots of people think the fun stops when you have kids or that's when you need to get but you guys have made well the, yeah as yeah as far as fun's concerned at that time we were both in a in a band that we had known for and were friends with for a long time called the new rope string band which is a kind of folk music comedy band that's who we, so saw, we went, yes it was so we went on tour with them we and they were very busy for a very busy band and, and one of them the members had had died been killed in a by a car and they asked both of us to join so we we rehearsed we and the accordion player managed to get a 
Arts Council grant so that that set us up to go to pay for rehearsals and buy some microphones and go touring with that so we started that and then uh, about a year and a half into it we decided to have a baby <laughs> and the other two went oh and we went no we're, like, we're gonna go for it we're gonna go for it and so we got a big van converted the van to a camper van and went on tour with this this baby who, who you know and we put a lot of effort into it but it but the the kind of baby it was a calm baby worked and you know you can throw you could throw this kid in the back of our van and drive to the north of Scotland and he would be completely happy sitting in the van traveling and are you still so what is music still the thing now no uh the music i mean it is for my wife um she has her own trio and and spent a lot of time because when we had our second child we thought that would be too difficult to tour um so she left the band i did another five years with that comedy band so she was mostly at home with the kids um but recorded an album her first album during that time and then um when the band folded in 2015 we felt it was her time to kind of go out on the road a, a bit more so she ha had this trio and they they've done quite a bit of touring and made another couple of albums since then but of course everything's gone to pop this year yeah there's none of that we've done three gigs this year three online gigs and that's oh and how's that been well strange yeah it's strange playing to an audience to, to no well yeah you hope but <laughs> But we don't, you know, we generally, I think we generally do it to Facebook Live rather than Zoom because you can't see people there. We have the comments turned off. It's too distracting. And I have to change that. But, uh, <laughs> it is strange, you know, it, because, and, and it, it, it pays you because you set up a tip jar or some. One of the gigs was actually an online festival and... Um, the woman who put that together put a lot of effort in it and also got a grant she got grant funded for that um it was us and a load of american acts and, and it was a great thing over three days and but she got funded to pay the musicians but all these things have a you know you set up a tip jar or something and do that but it's it's a hard thing mentally it's a hard thing to do to play to your laptop and you know you finish the tune and nothing happens so yeah yeah so what do you say to each other you know you kind of go yeah yeah oh, that's great oh, that's a great one. Oh, i love that one. Oh, oh, that one's a particular favorite of mine you know you find you know it's a straight it's a strange thing and we could get more used to it and do it more but it's you know not our not our favorite thing to do being on yeah being online isn't our favorite thing to do really I mean, it's a, it's a, well, it's a real music. This kind of music is kind of, it's very much in the moment. And, and the big thing about it for us is being able to, you know, has always been being able to play it with friends, you know, meeting up at festivals. We go to a lot of festivals and I've raised the kid, brought, just brought the kids always to festivals. And they, they're just happy running around, going off on their own and, you know, doing their own thing while we sit and play music for, nine hours on a top or something you know and eventually get around to putting something um but it's very much a 
you know those experiences you know you you want to carry on that intensity in the music of playing music with people you really like and might not see for five years and then you see them and just sit down and play music for you know sit down and talk and play music for five hours or something and can you describe what that feels like for someone that's not had that experience? Okay, so what it feels like, like a late night thing at a festival. You know, obviously people will have a drink and whatever. And there's a, but if you get a, a really strong session, I mean, the, the whole thing about it is the rhythm really. And, and it's people, you know, the one I want to describe to you, the session it was at this great festival called Fire in the Mountain that's on a, small farm in West Wales and only as a thousand people come to it maybe 1500 it's been going for a few years and it's really great and it's very down home and small and the kids can go off running in the woods and down by the river and there's a there's a sauna they build a sauna down there and a, a sh an outside hot tub and it, it's really great and it's really about the land as well it's very you know kind of self-sufficient and sustainable and we, there was this session we were playing with s these guys we'd met from Alaska who had, we'd never met them before, but they played old time and bluegrass music. And we had a lot of friends in common. So we just sat down and playing and, you know, you just sit very close together. It's almost like if I'm playing with one person, our knees will be interlocked. So I'm, my fiddle is right in their face and their banjo is right, you know. So it's a strong sound and you get a core of people like that. So the rhythm is, is as tight as it can be. And it's a very strong thing. And it's almost like it, it then when it gets to a certain point, the more you play, it gets better and better and better. And there's no fancy stuff particularly. There's nobody takes solos or anything. It's all about the groove. So it's this, and then this, it can't, if you like, it kind of feels like you're floating. It just lifts you off. And there are certain, you know, bits will happen where something will happen. It will tighten up even more and become very it's like the oldest thing in the world isn't it the oldest human thing in the world is, is rhythm and connection and you know and it always used to kind of I was always nonplussed by people in the 80s you know they, they, when r rave became a thing they're going oh it's like you dance the same beat for hours and hours it's amazing it's this new thing rave you know and you go oh right okay yeah yeah right <laughs> we've been doing that for years with fiddles and banjos and but this at uh, this session you know and then someone will come along who's a great dancer clog dancer and they have a little board and they'll put some tap shoes on and dance to that and it just totally lifts it our mad friend alice who is an unbelievable dancer and when those people are dancing they let it always looks like they're puppets they're kind of hanging there it's like they're pushing down to touch the ground rather than pushing off the ground because their arms I mean? don't like move that. much do they not particularly but they're just hanging there their arms aren't stiff by the side it's not like that it's not like an irish dance and it's very mm. very loose they're very rubbery and you know so, and that all adds to the music you know and it's just and there's a load of people with their head you know it, i mean it's a covid nightmare if you could you just could not do that now because it's it's so close but it's all the people in like that and there might be another 20 musicians more around the outside, but you, to have a good session, you've got to have this, this tiny core in the middle of rhythmic intensity. And if you don't have that, it, it, it doesn't do it for me. It almost sounds a bit kind of um, 
transcendent, a bit kind of, I don't know, you know, like that. It's, it, it, it's like any of those old rituals, those old, you know, tribal things where they, they have a celebration and they probably eat, eat loads of cactus and, you know, go. It, 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 it's a, a trance kind of thing. Very, very much. You know, it's it's no it's no different from a people going to a rave or mm. you know that 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 simple thing that simple it's like a life beat like a heartbeat in a way yeah is it uh, yeah kind of a unification and also a transcendence or something a sense of being part of something but also transcending kind of being bigger than bigger than the self and part of a whole but bigger than the whole or something yeah exactly yeah it's a lot bigger than the self it's not about it's not about me you know and do you get to that point when you're playing when it's not you playing how do you mean when i'm playing but it's not me playing well so when i write sometimes it feels like so there's some writing that i do where i'm thinking but then there's some of the best writing that i do it's like whoa where did that come from Oh yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you're not thinking about it, and you've got you know. You might surprise yourself mm. with what, you know. What you can do, or kind of. I've I've never you know I've been in this. There was one particular festival in Shetland one year, and there were a, lo- a load. Of, I went with uh, the two people I'd been to Mexico City with, and. Um, there were a load of friends. There was a dance company from the States that we both knew. And the guy I was with, he played with them when he was in his early 20s. And they were, you know, all these clog dancers, you know, re- really, really good dancers, like incredible dancers. And a couple of musicians with them. And, and but one of the guys that came with them was a great jazz guitar player. And I remember we had a session on the stage in one of the small, in one of the rooms in the, in the community center, the old, an old school in Lerwick in Shetland and they were, there was they were playing this swing stuff and there were some Danish guys playing and I and I was kind of able to play it a bit and I you know under no circumstances can I normally play that kind of music but this guy Tom who was the guitarist he was just going yeah <laughs> you can that was really happening you know and I was going well I it wasn't it kind of like wasn't me doing it you know it was but, yeah. I just find it, that fascinating. What that is? What is it's bonkers? That? It's bonkers. It's well, it, it it's truly letting go, isn't it? It's truly letting go. And I think to become a real musician, you've got to be able to do that. You've got to be able to just let go, and you know, and that's what that's what everybody's after, really. And that's when you do become really good, you can do that. You can find that, or you know all the time that becomes your focus and you know and i think i, th- I think a lot of artists it's the same you know with a, any any creative person any artist or whatever you know th- that's why you know that's why a lot of people uh, who do that are so poor because they don't you know they're not interested in money they're kind of they're interested in their thing and they don't care about the money they don't care about you know Sometimes they don't care about putting the bins out. They don't care, you know, like relationships fall apart, you know, because it's just a, it's just about their thing and chasing that thing. And, that, you know, and not everybody is like that. You know, some people can do it all or kind of 
whatever but to be to be you know i think that's what everyone well i know that's what everyone's chasing and it must be it's it's the same like you said when you when you stop worrying or stop thinking that's when the magic happens yeah because you can't like when you were saying it you know it's what you most want but my experience of when it happens to me in writing is if I sit down and go oh, I'm going to write from a transcendent state today that's right yeah you know, yeah forget it whatever it is the gods just laugh and go yeah really really just sit and stare yeah. at the page yeah Whereas who do you if think I, you are yeah 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 we'll choose we'll choose when that happens and I don't know absolutely. what absolutely it, it's you can't chase it you have to be a, it feels like you again Liz Gilbert says you have to show up at the your job is to show up at the page with the pen and do the work uh, and then inspiration may choose to join you. But if you're not sitting at your desk with your pen and your paper, it's never going to show up. And I, again, yeah. just I think that's a great way of it's, explaining it's it. Be, yeah, it's being open to it, isn't it? Mm. Mm. And Jock, when we've been talking about it and we haven't mentioned the hot sauce. And I'm kind of thinking, should we leave that for another conversation? Because it feels like yeah, that feels like a big another thing as well. Absolutely, um, that, that's the more recent thing. Yeah. I mean, still play music, still play music when you can. Obviously, this year is, is different with everything for everybody, pretty much. I mean, and uh, maybe it's just, I don't know, how do you, because does the source tie into this conversation? How would you see that it, so Jot makes the source, it's like a salsa sauce, sauce, isn't it? It's a hot, how you describe it? How would you describe it? Well, maybe it's nice. a part two. Maybe it is a part two maybe because part it does two. it does connect into the music a bit. But that that would, you know. Okay. So let's stick with the music. Let's stick with the music and come back yeah, to the yeah. source another time. Because that we're talking about that sense of kind of inspiration or. And we were also talking about how sometimes that's hard to integrate. Yeah, you know, like some of this conversation has been, you know, you're doing that and then you have to put the bins out. But it seems to me that you you've managed to do that in your life that you you know you do put the bins out your children do have food and shoes <laughs> <laughs> yeah quite often they're, they're, it's not second-hand food but i mean we've been very you know we're great second-handers always have been and that's that's really important to us and you know the kids just get fed what they just get fed what we eat you know and, and always have done and, and it's yeah uh, and i enjoy it and we're lucky you know we have that uh, as i said to you the other day on our our walk we you know we're lucky because we've had time for that because we haven't had nine to five jobs so it's you know i completely understand that it's not that's not a luxury every everybody can do it's a funny thing though isn't it you use the word luck about oh we were lucky but and and I'm kind of always curious about that because it seems to me that that you've ma you've made choices you know you've made choices about living where you do in the part I of the country so, yeah. that you do and what your priorities are do but because I think it's when people look at the outside it's very easy to go oh well you're lucky mm. that you but actually look you know we all have some of it of course is luck and and i'm not saying there is no luck but lots of it is decisions isn't it like you could have said yeah. oh that was really lucky that you met all those people when you went to louisiana but actually you asked <laughs> you went yeah to no the we chased it. yeah 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 asked. yeah 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 of course yeah yeah and i i i always kind of forget that those are choices really <laughs> i just go oh well i think we'll do that we'll do it and then the two of us now together you know they, they go well we have to 
because we have to decide to do it. You know, we d decided to carry on touring with a baby, so we decided to buy a big van and decided that's going to be uh, on the yeah. road home. And it's, you know, so invest the money we had at the time because we were doing lots of gigs and reasonably paid, you know, approaching something like having a job. Uh, mm. And and made that decision to carry on with it, I yeah. guess. And, and so what's, where do you see, you know, I know like COVID, who knows, but I think everyone's hoping, aren't they, that this is the year that the vaccinations will make a, sure, a difference. Yeah. And, and do you have a sense of where, you, where the music's going to take you or where you want to be? I know you don't plan ahead, but do you have a feeling for where the energy is with it for you? Well, it would be nice to get back to to live performance I mean I put some small gigs on locally with with touring musicians and that you know that just just in a selfish way really I just whoever I want to see or not who are you know I just book people who I want to see I don't want people to send me CVs and go oh we book us and go you know I'll, I'll, and that and that's purely selfish so it's like inviting people to my living room and saying well you can come and watch this if you want but you have to pay because they need paying the musicians and you know that's how it's happened and it and it's a nice thing and i only want to do it acoustic it's, it's no effort it's a great village hall down the road i love the village hall scene that's an incredible you know what what i want to do you know what i want to happen after this is is for people to go out and support musicians and artists because i think after something like this it's something like a war it's a huge collective trauma and people need healing after it and you know music is one of the things music and art are the things that people need and they don't always know that and modern media doesn't uh, really promote that you know, it's all like, oh, we listen to music on Spotify. It's great. We listen to all these things that make uh, like a five people rich and and everyone else, for, you know, is completely trashed. You know, go out to village halls and see music close enough to smell the musicians because it's real and it's real, you know, and the same with any art. Go and go and support it. That's what that's what people need to be healed after this. So that's that's what I want to happen. Whether that'll involve us, you know, I'm not particularly in any any band that could that is touring at the minute. But Vera, my wife, is you know, is dying to get out on the road again, and and just but it's hard to plan. It's hard, you know, because and a lot of people are booking gigs and then pushing back and pushing back and pushing back on every level. You know, there's uh, you know, I just heard today from somebody I know that the band Elbow had, a, you know, they they planned a certain tour and then that they pushed it back to autumn and then they pushed it back again. So, you know, they're all sitting there the, and the band are recording, but everyone else involved in that machine, you know, it's, it's not just musicians, it's sound engineers, it's stage crew, all those people that are involved in the arts, you know, theatre in Shrewsbury, there's all the crew, that, you know, they're just... They're just sitting around. They've all been laid off. It's mad. Mm. But uh, certainly, after, I know a lot of people after the wars in the Balkans that went out there playing for people, and they said people just devoured it because mm. they needed it as a healing thing. And I think people, you know, 
should realize that because that's that's what it is it does really work and it brings people like that that image that i had of you at the festivals and you're close you know where your knees are touching and you're playing and there's then there's a circle around you and a circle around you it is almost like that is what we're going to need isn't it is to reconnect Absolutely. because yeah. we've being trained now and conditioned to stay away from each other yeah, and it's going to absolutely. take some time to decondition I think mm. and I think that music and the kind of loosening of inhibitions when it's yeah. safe to do so is going to be yeah. a really yeah for everybody in whatever way, way they, they, they choose to do that you know it's, mm. you know, uh, I mean the scene we're in we feel is you know we're very grateful to be part of that scene you know it's it's just it's just full of really nice people who play great music and and, and put um importance on on it in a way the simpler things of life really you know and it's it's great to bring up kids in that in that uh, environment mm. you know and you feel you're not always telling them the rights and wrongs they just you, you just kind of do it and they, they they learn the value of you know of true friendship and 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 you know how to live you know and they'll carry on they'll carry some of those experiences on mm. hopefully no i do always have slight parenting envy when i look at how you <laughs> the experiences of your kids so. yeah but everybody does don't they Which, yeah you know you, yeah, yeah. Different, you know so when so let's bring the conversation so how we need to bring it to a close although i do yeah, want to we'll I maybe have to roast the chicken yeah. yeah we maybe need to do part two on the hot sauce but like when you're thinking about the conversation what is is there anything in the conversation that you're pleased to have had time to say or think about or reflect on i just i think it was nice that you asked how that trip to the states changed me I, don't, I haven't really, I mean, I've always known that, but just to actually say it out loud and say it, try and describe it is, is quite a good thing. I think that was good to be able to say that. And just did it, you know, Frank Zappa said talking about music is like dancing about architecture. <laughs> kind of like, you know, you can. It, it's hard to describe a thing when you're without it or in, in the other meaning of without, you know, you're, you're, you're outside of it. Or it, it's, yeah, it's, it's kind of, you know, I want, I need you to be at that session. Yeah. No, I'd love to be. So, you know, it's, and it, 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 it's, a, you know, if you, it's like anything else, isn't it? It's, it's like people who, uh, go for historical reenactment things, you know, and they just get really, you know, I mean, incredibly into it. You go to some of those things where they've got those guys, and they're all camping there for the whole week, yeah, the yeah. weekend, and then they're kind of uh, casting their own musket balls out of molten lead and all stuff, you know, and they're, they're eating food on campfires and wearing the clothes all the time. And it's, you know, that's their that's their thing, isn't it? And that's their intensity with it to you know and it's 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 different things like that you know humans need stuff like that don't they? intense yeah intensity and creativity and 
And are we going to link? Have you got? So I know you're going to give me your website. Is there some of your music on there? If people want to listen to some of your music, how can they do that? Uh, there might be some stuff on live stuff on YouTube. Um, so can you send me some links and I'll put them in the the possibly, notes? Yeah, I'll find something that might work. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm gonna. Yeah. So I'll try and get that. If we can get that, let's get at least one recording if we can, just so that people yeah. can. Okay and hear that music so i'm gonna end the recording now so thank okay. you for being with us and um yeah i kind of have that right i think the image that stays with me is of that you know the tight circle of people and then the ripples of people going out all being that's exactly it yeah it, it, it's it's a thing that ripples out and, yeah you know, and no, pulls that's people in you know and it you know they always start with two or three people just sitting down somewhere and in the end, there's 70 people, you know, just this huge thing. And it it becomes a throbbing, it's like a little hive, you know. <laughs> you know? Well, it's, it's good. It's the best thing. It's the best mm. thing. Oh, yeah. Thank you so much. Thank oh, you, Joe. Thanks for asking me. All right. Hey, thank you for listening. Julie Leone here. Well, you can find out more about me at julieleone.com. But more importantly, if you know people or if you are someone who does a crazy thing or something that you feel passionately about or live slightly differently, then drop me an email at yoursoulworks at gmail.com. Let me know about it and it'd be great to have you or um, your friend if they want to come on to talk about the podcast. In the meantime, if you liked it, please subscribe and if you can leave a review do that way more people find out about it just wanting to share exciting and interesting ideas um, particularly at this weird covid time take care